Well, let's take our Bibles and turn to the book of Exodus. We're turning to the Ten Commandments again tonight. And we're going to read them through as we have done over these evenings. Exodus chapter 20. And we're going to read verses 1 to 17. You'll find it on page 61 of your pew Bibles. Page 61. Uh, We've looked at the first four commandments together as a church family. And tonight we're moving on to the second table of the law. The second part of the Ten Commandments. And we're beginning with... Uh, The fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. So we'll read Exodus 20, beginning at verse 1 and down to verse 17, uh, just so that we see the the context of the commandments as a whole. Uh, This is God's word to us. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. Amen. And we thank God for his word to us again this evening. Let's pray together briefly before we think about the fifth commandment. And as we pray, we all collectively use the words of Psalm 19, verse 4. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart Be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. Well, this evening we're returning to our series on the Ten Commandments. So far we've thought about four commandments together. Uh, The last time we looked at a commandment was November. Uh, We actually came to a very natural break. Historically speaking, Christians have understood that there are two tables to the Ten Commandments. Uh, The first table relates to our vertical obligations to God, and the second table relates to our horizontal obligations to our neighbor. Uh, Now, there is evidence that the Jews and early Christians thought along the same sort of lines. In the New Testament, there are several places where only the commandments of the second table are listed. So think of Jesus speaking to the rich young ruler in the Gospels. He only mentions commandments from the second table of the law. As well as that, Romans 13 and 1 Timothy 1 contain a a step-by-step progression through the different commandments of the so-called second table. 
And also Jesus seemed to operate with this understanding too. So listen to his uh, words in Matthew 22, 37 to 40. Jesus said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first, the, the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All of that is to say that there are two tables, two different parts to the Ten Commandments. The first part, Commandments 1 to 4, the four that we have looked at already, are to do with how we relate to God. The second part focuses on how we are to relate to other people. The foundation of the first table is the first commandment, you shall have no other gods except for me. Commandments 2, 3, and 4 really just flow out of the first commandment. The foundation of the second table, though, is the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Now that might seem strange to us, but it's not when we think a little bit more about it. Honor your father and mother is the foundation upon which your love for your neighbor is built. Uh, the parental re relationship is, th is the first and most important relationship. It shapes all other relationships. So if you're a teacher or even a leader in one of our organizations and you come across a kind, considerate, capable young person, more often than not, you owe a great debt of gratitude to that person's parents. There are some exceptions to that, of course. Good parents with bad kids, bad parents with good kids. But in general, this is kind of how the world works. It's the way that God has set up and designed things. In this relationship with our parents, we learn what it is to have someone in authority over us, to listen to people, to honor them, and to do things that we sometimes don't want to do. Someone else has a say over us, and so we're going to trust that they know better. It's where we learn to live with other people. It's where we learn that there are authority structures in the, in the world. The family is where we learn about respect and obedience, and hopefully, if it's a good family, about love and protection as well. Now, you don't need me to tell you that a lot has changed within our society in recent times. Traditional family units are no longer the norm. And this is actually one of the biggest problems facing our society on a moral level. It has often been noted by theologians and even sociologists that the way to destroy a nation is to destroy the family. The, the, the way children can destroy the family is by disobeying the parents, but the, the, the way to destroy a nation is to destroy the family unit. In, in that way, as we, as we look at the wreckage that is our culture and nation tonight, we can say that our country has been destroyed. Our country has been destroyed. Family life in, in much of Western civilization has been destroyed. This is, this is coming closer and closer to us with changes to school curriculums and so on. But traditional family units, never mind traditional Christian family views of life, are under attack. Here's the best illustration of that. The, the TV programs or the YouTube videos your children or grandchildren watch every day, the ones that you think are harmless, often have non-traditional family units. Two mummies, two daddies, a man and a woman living together who aren't married but have children. The, the, the way to destroy a nation is to destroy the family. And the way to change how children view normal family life is to saturate children's media with whatever it is you want them to think of as normal. Now, there's a lot more that we could say about that, but it's kind of a side issue. It's a complicated area too, but we need to be talking about it as Christian parents and as, and as a church family. 
The, the thing to understand is that the parental relationship is the first and most important relationship. If you don't remember anything else tonight, that's what I want you to remember. The parental relationship is the first and most important relationship. And we're going to think about that tonight. But as with the other commandments, we're going to see that keeping the fifth commandment it isn't as straightforward as just listening to your mum and dad, tidying up your toys, tidying up your room, and so on. Honour your father and mother is a serious commandment. I want to read from Deuteronomy 21. These are words of Moses, and it's Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21. Just listen to this, and it'll give you a sense of how, how serious the fifth commandment was in the nation of Israel back in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy 21, 18 to 21. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and though they discipline him, will not listen to them, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of his city at the gate of the place where he lives, and they shall say to the elders of his city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall purge the evil from your midst, and all Israel shall hear and fear. Now you can be sure that they heard that and they feared that. Now as New Testament Christians, the, the civil law of, of Israel no longer applies to us. So that passage in Deuteronomy doesn't apply to us. So you can't read it to your kids, I'm sorry to tell you. But we've, we've talked about that in this series already. The civil law contained in the Old Testament has been transposed into church order with structure and membership and discipline. But that section from Deuteronomy 21 tells you how serious the fifth commandment was taken in Israel. The, the, there are other notable passages about the issue as well. Exodus 1, Leviticus 20, Proverbs 20 and 30. Uh, we, re, we read in all of those passages that cursing parent, parents was deserving of death. So it's a serious commandment, and what we want to do tonight is unpack it and understand it more fully, and to do that, we're going to look at four questions. First of all, what does it mean to honour our parents? Secondly, are there limits to honouring our parents? Thirdly, why should we honour our parents? And fourthly, what does it look like practically to honour our parents? Let's get into this commandment then. Let's read it again, and then we'll tackle our first question. The fifth commandment, Exodus 20, verse 12, says... Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. What does it mean to honour our parents, first of all? John Calvin, one of the architects of the Reformation, says that to honour your parents means three things. Reverence, obedience and gratitude. The reverence is not because our parents are always deserving of it. I say that as a father who is very aware of his imperfections, shortcomings, and sin. Uh, there have been more than enough times when I've thought and said, I can't believe I've just spoken or acted like that. It's not because we're always deserving of it that we must be honored, but because of the position of authority that God has granted to us. Uh, the word honor that's used in this commandment in Hebrew is the word kabod, and it's the Old Testament word for glory or weight. To be a parent then is a, is a weighty thing. To be given the title of, of mother or father is to be granted an office of great significance. So that's reverence. Pa parents are to be honored and, and, and shown reverence. Well, what, what about obedience? Well, obedience means that we are to do what our parents say while we're part of the household. 
Uh, even when we're grown up and have left the home, we're to make an effort to do their wishes whenever we can. Uh, obedience, of course, implies that parents are giving commands and passing along instructions. We don't hope that children figure things out for themselves. We don't leave them to their own devices and find a way to be their best friend. That, that's a very modern mistake that parents make, make nowadays. Be, be, being a parent is not the same as being a friend. Being a parent is not the same as being a friend. It's a completely different relationship. The most common parenting technique nowadays seems to be to give your child a choice. So let's think of an example. It's going to snow this week. Might be snow coming. Little Johnny wants to go out and make a snowman. It's cold and mum and dad know that he needs to put his coat on. So they say to him, little Johnny, do you want to put your coat on? And what does little Johnny say? Well, little Johnny says, no, I, I don't. Now, what's the mistake? It's giving him the choice. It's cold, he needs to put his coat on, even if he doesn't think he has to. Mum and dad know that he has to. Mum and dad have said, put your coat on before you go out, please. Mum and dad should have said, put your coat on, instead of giving him the choice. Now, the, the, the danger is that we swing from obedience to coercive control, that you control your child's every movement. That's not obedience, it's not the same thing. But parents are to give their ch children orders and instructions, and they're to expect obedience. Reverence, obedience, and gratitude. If you're a child or a young person listening to this, I want to tell you something. It's a little bit of a secret. But your mum and dad, they really love you. Like, they really love you. And they really love doing nice things for you most of the time. They like to get you things and to see you happy. Do you know what would be great? If you remembered that and didn't forget it. Gratitude saying thanks to mum or dad is, is one of the chief ways we can honour our parents. Now, I didn't really understand this when I was a child, but the life of a parent is one of constant sacrifice. It's amazing. Being a parent is amazing, but it means sacrifice. Sacrifice in terms of money, time, energy, desires, sleep, sometimes tears. It's an office and responsibility of great sacrifice. What does it mean to honour our parents? means to show them reverence, obedience, and gratitude because they have sacrificed so much for us. Are, are there limits to honoring our parents? That's the question we come to next. Are there limits to honoring our parents? In a word, the answer to our second question is yes. Authority can be abused. In Acts chapter five, there's a principle that has to do with government, but also with parents, church leadership, and any other authority over us. If the choice is between obeying God or obeying men, we obey God. If your parents command you to do what God forbids or forbid what God commands, you cannot and must not obey your parents. Now, one way to think about this is to say that the first table of the law takes precedent over the second. It's more important to honor God than anyone else. As well as that, limits to honouring our parents come as we get older. P parents shouldn't expect the same obedience from grown children as they did when their children were young. Uh, that, there's that line that's used at weddings, isn't there? The, when a man and a woman come together in marriage, they are leaving and cleaving. They're leaving their current family unit and they're forming a new family unit. In, in our culture today, it's sometimes the case that people don't get married or marry later in life. It's probably fair to say that moving out of the family home establishes the same kind of break. When mum is 50, she can't expect to call up her 25-year-old daughter and tell her, 
you must do things my way and expect her daughter to say, okay, mom, I will obey you. There are limits. Parental authority is not absolute. In most Western cultures, uh, most Western countries, our problem is it's not a knee-jerk obedience to parents. The biggest danger in our culture today is that we think that older people have nothing to say to us and nothing to contribute to society. Our culture doesn't say, when you get older, that's when you're wise and deserving of respect. What culture says is, when you get older, you should take a back seat. Us young people know what to do. Our culture tends not to honor the generations who have gone before. Now, there's actually a very important application here for us. Here's a clear way to live honorably among unbelievers in a culture that is obsessed with worshiping youth. The fifth commandment offers Christians a simple means to be light in darkness. Rather, rather than saying that older people are adorable in a patronizing way, irrelevant, burdensome, or expendable, we instead show them honor as people who are full of wisdom, wisdom that only time can impart. We should, we should listen to people who are older than us. What does it mean to honor our parents? Reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Are there limits to honoring our parents? Well, yes, there are. It's, it's more important to honor God than anyone else. Why should we honor our parents? That's our third question this evening. Ephesians 6 verse 1 tells us that we are to obey our parents in the Lord. It's part of our devotion and faithfulness to Jesus that we obey mom and dad. We honor mom and dad. Colossians 3.20 also commands children to obey their parents in everything because it pleases the Lord. The implication of that is that not obeying or not listening to our parents displeases the Lord. Even Jesus obeyed his parents and he was perfect and his earthly parents weren't perfect. If there's ever a moment where, if there's ever a moment where you think, I, I know so much better than my parents. In fact, I, I feel like I'm living a much better life than my parents. Just stop for a moment and think about how almost arrogant that sounds. You're a sinner just like your parents are. But Jesus could have legitimately said that because, because he never disobeyed his parents. Luke 2.51 says, And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. In all things, Jesus, the, the second person of the Trinity, perfect in all his ways, was submissive. When Mary or Joseph told him to do something, what did he do? He listened, he obeyed, he did it. Uh, at Christmas time, we have, that, we have that carol, once in royal David City. I've, I've always raised an eyebrow at one of the verses in that carol. You maybe have too. And through all his wondrous childhood, he would honour and obey, love and watch the lowly maiden in whose gentle arms he lay. And this is the bit that I always kind of went, hmm, not sure. Christian children all must be mild, obedient, good as he. We sing that at Christmas time, and I don't think it really registers what it is we're singing. I'm also not a big fan of that verse because the point of Christmas is that it's not that Jesus came down so that we could be good children like him. None of us will be as obedient as he was. But is there any truth in that little verse? Well, Jesus did honor and obey and, and Christian children should be as he was. He, he is our example. That's why we should honor our parents because our savior did. And if Jesus did it, well then we should try and do it too.
But, but, but as well as that, the fifth commandment is the first commandment with a promise attached. Listen again to the whole of verse 12. It says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The promise attached to this commandment is not just about living for a long time. The writers of the Bible weren't stupid. They lived in a real world where people died. It wasn't that everyone who lived a really good life lived to be 100 years old and everyone who lived a really bad life died early. The phrase that your days may be long in the land has more to do with abundant life. It's really saying if you want to enjoy the full blessings that God has promised for you in the promised land, you'll listen to your mom and dad. So on the one hand, it's, it's a reward, but it's more than that. It's a promise. It's not if you're obedient, you get an extra 10 years added onto your life. It's not a mathematical formula. It's a reminder of the truth that you will generally be much better off learning after learning to honor your parents. This is great motivation for us in terms of holiness. God could have said, he could have got the stick or the rod out, the wooden spoon out and said, honor your parents or else. But he doesn't say that. He doesn't say that at all. He says, let me explain this to you. You're going to want to do this. This is going to be for your benefit, for your good. It's not actually within your sinful nature to do it, but you want to enjoy life, don't you? Well, here's a, here's a really good and practical way that you can. God gives us a path toward that end and it starts as children as they honor their mom and dad. The principle in this promise is that children who are, who are taught to obey God by honoring their parents will grow up to be responsible citizens and responsible citizens make for a strong nation and that in turn, in turn helps to provide a context in which life can flourish. Children need parents. Parents in the traditional man and woman sense. That is biblical truth, and our society has, has drifted from it. Well, what does it mean to honor our parents? Reverence, obedience, and gratitude. Are there limits to honoring our parents? Yes, there are. It's more important to honor God than anyone else. Why should we honor our parents? Jesus did, and he is both our savior and our example, plus there's the promise attached to this commandment as well. And all of that brings us to our final question tonight. What does it look like practically to honor our parents? Let's get practical. We, we talked with the boys and girls this morning about how they practically keep the fifth commandment. How do we do it? Well, the commandment is, is actually larger than just parenting. There's a long tradition of understanding this commandment and all of the commandments for that matter as having a broad application. Christians have always understood that the fifth commandment is not just about parents and children, but about that relationship as a template for any other relationship of authority we have in our lives. So the parent-child relationship is a template for all other relationships. That's why the fifth commandment comes where it does in the, as the first commandment in the second table of the law. So New Testament says that slaves should obey their masters, or as we would say in our context, in our day, Employees should listen to their employers. Wives are to submit to their husbands as to the Lord. Hebrews 13 verse 7 says to obey our leaders in the church and submit to them. 1 Peter 5 verse 5 says that younger men should be subject to their elders. Romans 13 says that we should be subject to the governing authorities. 1 Peter 2.17 tells us to fear God and honor the king. So the parental relationship is a template 
for all of our other relationships. Now, thankfully, we live in a, in a country where there's freedom of religion and speech, for now anyway. We, we, we have the right to speak out against our leaders if they're acting wickedly. You can actually see that in the Old Testament. The prophets often denounce the kings. There is a place for that. In a country with a constitutional monarchy, in a country that has a, a parliamentary system of government, we have the opportunity, opportunity to affect change at the ballot box, but we're to fear God and honor the king. We're to be subject to every governing authority, even the ones we didn't vote for or who we don't believe would be elected or can't believe would be elected, we're to be subject to them. Even if we're critical of them, we have to do that in a way that shows them respect, shows respect for the office and position that they have been granted. So sometimes uh, as a great means of grace, but sometimes as a great means of judgment. So the practical application of the fifth commandment is much wider than telling your children to put away their toys and tidy their rooms. The parental relationship is a template for all of our other relationships in our lives and also throughout society. What does it mean to honor our parents? Reverence, obedience, gratitude. Are there limits to honoring our parents? Yes, we've talked about that. Why should we honor our parents? Jesus did. He's our savior, example, plus there's the promise as well. And what does it look like to practically honor our parents? Parental relationship is a template for all of our other relationships. There's a lot more going on in the commandments than we might think. We've seen that already, and we're going to see that as we move on through the rest of them. But as we finish our time thinking about the fifth commandment, what, what do we want to go home thinking about? What do we want to go home praying about this week even? Well, in the context of our society, we need to pray for family life within the church. At the start, we mentioned a few things about changes in society. Here's something that might scare you. Might not, but it might scare you. The changes in society are infecting the church. You can see it all over the place. The changes in society are infecting the church. The changes in the cities and the towns are seeping into the country. And how the church will be a witness into the future, how the church will, will shine like a star in the night sky will be by family life being so different and so God-centered. The, the church that we're building for the next generation up the road is vitally important, but bringing up the next generation, generation, teaching them the things of God, reading the Bible with them, praying with them, is perhaps even more important. We, we, we want children to grow up following Jesus, trusting in him, and by his strength and help, honoring their fathers and mothers so that the quality of their life might make their little friends at school, at swimming, at rugby, wonder, why is their life so great? What's, what's different about them? Why is their family so much fun and so content? What do they have that I don't? So we need to pray for family life. It needs to be one of our priorities because the parental relationship is the first and most important relationship. We've mentioned or talked about media and what children watch. One of our favorite programs at home is Bluey. Some of you have probably never heard of it. It's a cartoon program featuring Australian dogs. It's refreshing in that it's about a traditional family unit, a mum, a dad, and two girls, and it's great fun. It's a brilliant program, really funny. My favorite episode, which sounds weird to say out loud because it's a children's program, but my favorite episode of Bluey 
is season two, episode 26. It's called Sleepy Time. It's all about bedtime and about what happens at night. But towards the end, there's this beautiful moment where one of the girls says to her mum, I have to go. I'm a big girl now. And mum replies and says, Remember, I'll always be here for you, even if you can't see me, because I love you. And that's, that's the kind of quality we, we want in our parental relationships, isn't it? Parents loving their children and children loving their parents. That's the kind of quality of relationship we should be chasing after in our homes. That's the kind of quality relationship we should, should encourage each other to have within our church family. The parental relationship is a template for all of our other relationships. And that applies to us as we meet here together tonight. Now the thing is, we won't do any of this on our own strength, in our, in our, own, in our own power. We look to the one who was, who was perfectly obedient to his Father in heaven. Jesus honored his earthly parents, never sinning by rejecting their authority. Jesus honored his Father in heaven by being obedient even to death on a cross. And when we know him, when we believe in him, we can have our relationship with God the Father restored. When we flee to him, when we bow our hearts to him and acknowledge him as our saviour, our Father in heaven says to us, I'll always be here for you, even though you can't see me, because I love you. Honour your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Let's honour our parents. Let's honour those who are of grey hair, as Richard said this morning, as we respectfully seek their advice and wisdom, as we value their guidance about friends, schooling, employment, marriage, bringing up children, life, aging, eternity, and God. There's a lot more that we could have said tonight, but in response to this commandment, we're going to do something a little bit different, and we're going to pray together in a fuller way. Move the pastoral prayer to this point in the service, because there are several strands that we need to pick up and pray through. So having thought about this fifth commandment, let's pray together in response. Our Father in heaven, how we thank you that we can say those words, how we praise you for your wonderful salvation and for how it means that we have been adopted into your family. Father, you are so caring and loving. Jesus, you are so powerful and sacrificial. Holy Spirit, you are the light and truth we need. Lord, tonight we want to pray for some of the things that we've mentioned in our study of the Bible. We want to pray for family life in society in general. We realize that our culture tonight has, has wandered far from the path laid out in your words. We live in a time when, when everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Father, we pray that you would change our culture, but that you would start by changing family life and our view of it here in the church. Help us to treasure parental relationships. Help us to see the honor, privilege, and responsibility that it is to bring up children. It's not an easy task. It's not an easy calling. But we thank you that you give us grace for, 
for all of our inadequacies and failures. May family life within our church family reflect what your word lays out. We pray that families in our congregation would spend time together reading the Bible and praying. We pray that families would be comfortable about, about talking about spiritual things together, that it wouldn't be awkward to mention the name of Jesus, but that it would be the most natural thing in all the world. Lord, as we've talked about family life, we know that for some people, it hasn't been what it should have been. It has perhaps been difficult, and there are scars and memories that will never go away. Some of us are perhaps living through difficulties and issues like that at the moment. We pray for healing in that sense. We pray that those who have had difficult or challenging childhoods would know that you're the Father who loves them and will always be there for them. Having prayed for young families, we also want to remember children whose parents are now elderly. We want to pray for children who are now looking after the, 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 the parents or parent who raised them. And we know there are so many challenges in this area. But we pray that you would help children to honour their parents by looking after them in their twilight years. And we also pray for those who miss parents, for those who grieve over parents who are no longer in this scene of time. Father, you're the God of all comfort. So be with those who are grieving and for those who mourn. More generally, we pray that you would Help us to honour those who have authority over us. Help us to practically apply this commandment to, to all areas of our lives. But most of all, help us look to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him followed his Father's plan and was obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Father, you're a good God. Jesus, you're a perfect saviour. Holy Spirit, you're our sanctifier and our guide. We pray that you, the triune God, would help us with these things, that you would bless our lives and help us to keep the fifth commandment in a way that honours you. Help us to remember that you'll always be here for us. Even though we can't see you because you love us. And we pray all these things in Jesus' saving and precious name. Amen.